Point family that we heard that message at our church, Liberty Church, what, 20 years, 23 years, 23 years ago, 22 years ago, and it was a Sunday morning, I think it was two services, and um, we couldn't even have coffee afterwards, everyone just went quietly, found a place to, because one of those messages that turns your life around, is you realize that our Father, our God, is a God of righteousness and justice, amen. So we're grateful, and I believe it. And what, you know, your response was just perfect. And I know that just speaking to Waypoint family, God's done something in this moment, and we're grateful to God. So, Pastor Jim, thank you for your obedience, for your passion. Um, when Pastor Jim's preaching, if he's not smiling, just look at Kathy, she's smiling. So, I call them beauty and the beast. Stu and Julie, thanks for coming all the way from Manchester and being here, spending an extra week means a lot to us. We know how busy you are, we know what busy lives you have. So I want to speak about we hunger for Holy Spirit. I believe in a post-COVID world that we can't go back to business as usual. Uh, we can't have a form of religion um, without any power, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Look how we do that. Jesus said, feed my sheep, and we ate a, we've eaten a lot already today. So that's good. I love food, um, but not too much. But, um, but the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy, unspeakable joy in the Holy Spirit. You see, joy is different to happiness. Happiness is based on happenings what's happening in your life. But there's a joy that goes beyond what's happening. Don't, don't link, you can't link your emotions to your circumstances. We live in a world that is very emotion driven. I feel bad, I feel depressed, I feel anxious. And those are real emotions, but we can take authority and we can take control. I, I, don't, I don't feel like I'm a man, I don't feel like I'm a woman, I wanna be something else. That, that's emotion, emotions are fickle, they change. And so we, in emotions, we, we, don't let, we don't follow our emotions. Our emotions follow good decisions when we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our strength. Amen. And so um, what we're looking for in the Holy Spirit is righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, you and I are righteous because we believe in Jesus. That's our identity. I learned this from Pastor Julia. I think it's a great phrase. Your injury is not your identity. If you're struggling with mental health, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with anxiety, you're struggling with it, but that, that's not who you are. That's not your identity. Your injury is not your identity. Your identity as a believer is the righteousness of God in Christ. That's who you are. You are the right, you have the gift. It's not a trophy, it's a gift. A trophy comes from your behavior or your performance. It's not a trophy, it's a gift. Of righteousness. That's who you are as a believer. And then you are fighting sickness. You are fighting depression. You're fighting anxiety. When our grandkids went into into hospital during COVID, and they, my grandson and granddaughter um, had to be separated in hospital because one was had COVID, but they were both sick. And my my granddaughter started weeping because she wouldn't be with her brother and she, we couldn't have the parents or the grandparents in the hospital. We, we were slipping the phone because it was COVID. No one was allowed there. And so these two terrified little tights had to be separated. And my, uh, I don't know how uh, Jaden was. He was seven at the time. He sat Makeda down 
And he said, remember what Papa preached. He said, you are fighting sickness. You are not sick. You are Michaela fighting sickness. Because your identity is not in your condition or in your injury. Amen. And so we, we preached during COVID that you are not what you're going through. You are who you are and your identity is in Christ. And so we had a lot of kids going to the pediatrician saying, and the pediatrician, I remember the, um, um, what were the, Grayson and Tyler, they went to the pediatrician. And the pediatrician said, are you sick? I said, no. So why, yes, why, so my name's Grayson and I'm fighting sickness. And then the, and then the pediatrician checked out our church online and, and came to church. And I think started with the worship team. You can be a witness wherever you are, amen. So our identity is in our righteousness. We have peace because Paul says, since we've been justified by faith, Romans 5.1, we have peace with God. And then in verse two, he says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our hope and our unspeakable joy is in the glory of God and the glory of God, the kavod of God, the beauty, brilliance, significance, splendor, and weight of God the earth will be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. And so our unspeakable joy is that our real purpose is to live for the glory of God and to enjoy Him forever. That's our purpose, is to live for God's glory. Well, should I be a, a, a stay-at-home mom or should I find a job? Should I be a teacher? What should I study? It doesn't matter what you do in terms of your career, but what your calling is, is, is to give God glory when you function in that career. Now choose a career where you match your, your genius, your talent, and your passion. Find a career, but in that career, be committed to giving God glory, living for God's glory. Your purpose, your calling is to give God glory and to enjoy Him forever. By the way, if you're looking for something that's gonna give you joy and it's outside of Jesus, you're not gonna find joy. You'll find momentary happiness because of the happening you're going through, but joy comes from the Lord. He is, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so we're to live for God's glory and that means we live to live for the Great Commission. Jesus said, all authority, Matthew 28 has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Wherever we are, we're there to make disciples, to bring people to Jesus to bring them to following Jesus, being a follower of Jesus. And um, so if you want to know what to do, choose a career and then live for God's glory by making disciples according to Matthew 28. That, that's the commission of the church, is to go and make disciples. Mark 16's commission is to, um, if you wanna know what to do, cast out demons, speak in tongues. If a serpent bites you or if People try and are toxic in your life and try to strangle the life out of you. Um, you will not succumb. Um, if you drink anything poisonous at McDonald's, it by no means harm you. <laughs> Lay hands on the sick and they will cover. What, what should I, Pastor, what should I do with my life? Well, it's clear in the Bible. Cast out demons, speak in tongues, have a prayer life where your spirit connects with God's spirit. If something comes against you and it's toxic, and we live in a toxic world, we live in a toxic world that get, is getting us to believe that, we were, uh, that, that people are born into the wrong bodies, and so they need to find their identity by changing their gender. That's a lie. You created in the image of God. Pastor Jim preached about it in the last session. You created in the image of God. But the enemy comes with lies to try and, and get you distracted from what God's called you to do. 
So you and I are the righteousness of God in Christ. And I think there's been such a polarization. There's going to be more polarization in society. And so there's going to be more persecution for those who believe the truth. But, we have, we, but in the persecution, we have the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to say to Waypoint, as I've been praying for you, that you need to get ready from this conference. Not only is the culture shifting, not only is this um, every pr- sermon you've heard this weekend and the one you'll hear tomorrow shaping you into what God's calling you to do, but you need to get ready for growth because people are looking for authenticity. They're looking for reality. They're not looking for religion. You've noticed this about Waypoint. It's not a very religious church, and it's going to stay that way. Amen. The world doesn't need more religion. The world needs more Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And so you're going to have to go to, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable, but we're growing in the zone of discomfort. And you're going to have to go to two. And you may not see your favorite friend at the service that you go to. But don't leave and go to another church. Get stuck in and serve the purpose of God. Be committed to righteousness and justice at Waypoint Church. And be part of the new service, the new time. And get help get the second service going by, by saying, you know what, for three months I'm going to go to two services on a Sunday. Because you don't get everything out of the first service. You miss things. You, you, you know, some of your ADHD, you're thinking about other things and that kind of thing. And, or you see a cute girl on the other side. So second service, go try to go to the next day. You've got to position yourself. <laughs> Amen. Let's go to the scriptures. 1 Samuel 30. The background here is uh, David and his mighty men are... Um, you know, they've been, he's been persecuted by, by, by King Saul, and, and he's on the run, but he aligns himself with the Philistines, and, he, um, and they give him a city called Ziglag. And in Ziglag, um, he actually takes his army, and he joins the Philistine kings to face Israel. But the Philistine kings don't trust David, and so they say to Ahimelech or Ashish, he's got two names, they say, send David back, because we don't trust him in the battle against Saul. He's an Israelite. What is he doing fighting with us? So they reject David and him and his men go back to Ziglag and we pick it up in verse 1. Three days later when David and his men arrived home at the town of Ziglag, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and the Ziglag and they, they had crushed Ziglag and burned it to the ground. They had carried off the woman and the children and everyone else but without killing anyone. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, verse 4, they wept until they could weep no more. Have you ever been in a place where you've wept until you could weep no more? They were overwhelmed by their circumstances, by grief, loss, tragedy, betrayal. What have you been overwhelmed by? And it seems like since COVID, we've, we've lost some of our resilience, some of our resistance, some of our strength. But look at what David does. Verse 5, David's two wives, Naomi and Abby, were among those who were captured. Now, we don't know if David had children at this um, stage. Do you know, Jim, if he had children at this stage with those two wives? He did. So he's lost his children and he's lost his wives. David was now in great danger. Because all of these men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began talking of stoning him. And when you got stoned in the Old Testament, it's different to how people get stoned now. You know what I mean? Don't act so uh, 
self-righteous. You don't know what I'm talking about, Jay Bay, Waypoint. <clears throat> Listen, these men wept until they could weep. These were grown, battle-tested men. They'd seen David uh, lead them out of distress and debt and bitterness in Adullam's cave. They'd fought battles with David and for David. They say the most powerful bonding when men get together is the bonding that happens during war. It's stronger than even family bonding. These men loved each other, but they loved their families and they loved their leader. They'd followed David through ridiculous decisions. Sometimes your leaders will make decisions that seem ridiculous. David had feigned insanity. David had failed to kill King Saul when he had the opportunity. David even aligned himself with the Philistines against King Saul. David had been rejected by the Philistines and he's rejected by his own king. So following some leaders can be exhausting. You won't always understand them. You won't always understand this man. But you've got to trust him. God's called you here. You can't go. And if he hasn't called you here, you can't stay. Don't stay and cause trouble. Because then we're going to ask you to go. You're called you. If you've called you, that's how you live for God's glory and enjoy Him forever. You don't have to like everything. You don't have to like the music or the drama. If it works, it's far. You don't have to. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, you, you, it's, it's, it's not a, don't build your life on preferences, but on principles serving the purposes of God so you can inherit the promises of God. Amen. And so his own men want to stone him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Then he said to Abathar the priest, bring me an ephod. So the Abathar brought it and David asked the Lord, should I chase after this band of waiters or will I catch them? He sought the Lord and the Lord answered him like Psalm 34 says. And the Lord told him, yes, go after them. You make God speaking to someone here today. You've been asking God, what should you do? And God says, go for it. This conference, he's saying, go for it. You will surely recover everything that was taken from you. And I speak over you now, recovery, that, that what the years that the locust has eaten away from you is yours. God is going to bring recovery. Uh, he's going to bring acceleration. He's going to bring restoration because he has saved you for a purpose. Don't let the enemy keep robbing you of what God has given you. Verse 6, it says, David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Hebrew word, Shazak is to encourage. It means to be obstinate, to have a resolve, to play the man, to get a grip, to behave valiantly. There are sometimes you just gotta get a grip. And when everyone else around you wants to stone you, when everyone else around you is speaking about you, you gotta speak to your soul. You've got to speak to yourself. David strengthened himself in the Lord. And we need men and women to be strong. That when you're going through the fiery furnace, when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, as Julie was speaking about, you've got to be strengthening yourself in the Lord. Now, what did David do? We're not sure what David do, did. He, we know he's a psalmist. We know he was a worshiper. Uh, we, know, um, you know, we know that 
he was focused, maybe the oral tradition of the Torah, he would rehearse so that he would focus himself on the character and the nature of God. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. And we need a generation of men to be men. Amen. And what I mean by that is we need men to take leadership. Who can say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. They take leadership. And we need to exercise authority in our homes, in our businesses, in our community. And the man is the protector. In other words, the man, when you're walking with your family on the side of the road, on the, on the pavement, the man walks on the traffic side. Why? Because he's protecting his wife and his children. The man locks up the house. I'm, I'm getting practical here. The man at nighttime goes and locks up his house when the family are asleep. And if you have teenage or young children and you don't know where they are, why don't you know where they are? Because you're the head of the house. So you're going to lock up your house and make sure your house is secure. You're also going to know where your children are. Well, I don't want my parents to know where I am. Well, as long as you live in my house under my roof, I'm the head of this house, and I love you, and I care for you, so I want to know where you are. We need men. Well, I don't know if I can do You see, most parents are so young enough to remember their teenage years that they don't want to stand up to their teenagers because they remember how dodgy they were when they were teenagers. But we need men to be men, to get a grip, to strengthen themselves in the Lord. While my children are not coming to church, they're running around, they're doing all that. Well, who's the, who's the head of the family? We have people in our church, not in Jeffrey's Bay, but in Joburg. They, what, we, hey, I haven't seen you at church. Well, you know, we've got a baby now. We have a two-year-old. You know what they're telling me? The two-year-old is the leader in that house. Their emotions are running that family. There's no head there. They're running around. We need men to take a grip. To take a hold. Amen? We need to be valiant. We are the protectors. When you go into a restaurant, the man sits, positions himself in the restaurant where he can watch the door. Why? Because you don't know who's going to come through that door. And I'm the protector of my family. We live in South Africa. But you can live anywhere in the world and be in a place where your family are vulnerable. But as a man, I'm the protector, I'm the provider of my family. And even when God calls me to do something hard, it doesn't mean it will harm me. I need to stand up in a world that is governed by feelings. We have a world that's going crazy. And there are people who feel a certain way. Um, their feelings um, uh, set the agenda. I, there's a time, and I've seen this even in our own church, where parents have to go and have meetings with heads of school or their teachers and say, I don't like what's happening in my child's classroom. I don't like what you're telling my children about themselves. I heard him met one man, his daughter came home, and, she, and he said, darling, how was your day? And she said, well, um, um, there's this weird guy in my class, and he identifies as a cat, and he keeps purring and rubbing himself up next to me. So, I, so the dad said, so what are you doing? He said, oh, I don't know what to do. We're not allowed to do anything. And the, the teacher put out a, a sandbox for the guy, and um, said, Gotta to, got to go when you gotta go. And um, he, he said to his daughter, What do you what do you want to do? He says, I want to hit him. So he said to his daughter, You hit him and I'll back you up. But dad, I'll get into trouble. No, you won't. You hit him, and if the teacher calls me, you just tell your teacher you identify as a rottweiler. 
And if the school board calls me in, I will ask them, which bright spot put a Rottweiler with a cat in the same class? <laughs> We're living in a world that's going berserk because people are governed by their feelings. And this is a consequence of what's been happening for hundreds of years through the humanities and through psychology and philosophy, through, through writers like Sigmund Freud and Karl Marx that, that don't believe in God. And so they don't believe that within every person there's a moral compass, there's a moral structure. And so that people are reduced to the lowest level of their feelings. And that's why the sexual slave, slave trade is doing better than it's ever done because men can't control themselves. That's pathetic. And that's not the world I want my children and my grandchildren growing up in. But we need to take authority. We need men to be men. And David strengthened himself in the Lord. Before David prayed, he strengthened himself. If you don't strengthen yourself in the Lord, your emotions will be louder than the voice of God in your prayers. Don't go to God in prayer until you strengthen yourself in the Lord. Well, we're not sure how David did, but I want to tell you what the New Testament says. You strengthen yourself in the Lord by throwing yourself on God in terms of knowing the Scriptures. The reason why we read our Bibles, the reason why we memorize Scriptures, why? Is because we don't know what's coming down at us. But we need to stand on the word of God because our authority is not in our personality. It's not in our ancestry. Our authority is in the word of God. And we need to take authority. But also what makes us strong, Paul says that when you and I pray in tongues, when we pray in this word, we build ourselves up. He says, now in church, I'd rather you prophesy that you may build the church up. But how can you build others up if you're not built up? Paul says the way you and I build ourselves up is to pray in tongues. Why? Because as Pastor Jim says, it's the most unselfish prayer you can pray when you pray in tongues. You see, most of us when we pray, we're telling God how to run our lives. But when you pray in tongues, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, your spirit connects with God's spirit and your mind is unfruitful. Because the real you, the real you is a spirit being. You are not a human being having a temporary spiritual experience at conference this morning. You are a spirit being having a temporary human experience on planet earth. And so the real you that's going to live forever is a spirit being. And your spirit is yearning to connect with God. And when you pray in the spirit, when you pray in tongues, you bypass your logic and your rationality and your emotionality. And you pray in tongues and you're speaking to God. And the God who's outside of time and space will bring you through what you're going through to get you to where he wants to take you. To. And he'll get you there. And so I've been challenging our staff and our church to pray in tongues at least five minutes a day and set your clock because it's a muscle, it's, it's a muscle memory that needs to be developed. And pray in the spirit. I want to encourage you to do that. Pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues. Now also keep, it's good when you pray to pray silently, to, to not even say anything, to hear God. So many times we don't hear God because we're overwhelmed by our circumstances, our grief, our fear, our anxiety, our disappointments. David first strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he prayed to God, and he could hear God. Bless the Lord, Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. You can choose 
to pray in the Spirit. You can choose to pray to God. So we need to find strength in the storm by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Especially living in the world that we live with these constant waves of secular humanism and emotionally charged, self-aggrandizing, woke culture. We need to go to the rock that is higher than us. We need to go to the truth. We need to go to Jesus. And who takes us to the truth? Who takes us to Jesus? Who floods us? Who floods us with the Father's love? It's the Holy Spirit. John 15, 26, when the helper comes, Jesus said, the spirit of truth, that's who the Holy Spirit is. He's the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness of me. No one brings us closer to Jesus, reminds us of the teachings of Jesus, and brings into our lives the presence of Jesus like Holy Spirit. John 16, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, Holy Spirit, he will lead you into all truth. If you want to be led by the flesh and the feelings, you're going to get into trouble. But when you're led by the Spirit of God, you'll be led into truth. Romans 5, 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts. Who pours out God's love into our hearts? The love of the Father through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen, the Holy Spirit has already been given to you at salvation. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you repent of your sins, you put your trust in Jesus, at that moment, the Holy Spirit moves in and He lives within you. He's in you for you. Holy Spirit is in you for you, but He wants to come on you for those around you. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, don't go off and plant churches, but Wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from an eye, Acts 1.8. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and New Zealand. So in every, to every part of the world, right, we need Holy Spirit in us at salvation. But we need Holy Spirit on us for surrender, for sanctification, for witnesses. Listen. The main point of Acts chapter 2 is not speaking tongues. It's being a witness. But to be a witness, you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And you need to be spirit-led. And you and I need to walk in the spirit and speak in tongues. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22, uh, 14 verse 2, he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men. So what do you speak when no one's speaking to you? What does David do when his own soldiers won't speak to him. In fact, they want to stone him. We've got to speak in a way that we sometimes utter mysteries in us in the spirit. We've got to speak in tongues. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 14. The one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. There are certain things that we can do that build us up. Coming to church every Sunday builds ourselves up in the, in, the, in the atmosphere of faith, in the community of God's chosen people. But you can't be in church 24-7. But you can pray in tongues every day. And I want to challenge you to pray in tongues for five minutes a day. Just walk around praying in tongues. In the traffic. Because everything in J Bay is 10 minutes away. So you can pray twice in the Holy Spirit in tongues. There's one traffic light. When you stop there, I don't know how long it is, 30 seconds or one minute or whatever. You can pray in tongues. Build it into the rhythm of your life. Build it into your spiritual muscle. 
praying in the Spirit. I'm, I'm sh- I, don't know, I don't know what I'm saying. That's, that's the idea. You don't need to know. And you develop your vocabulary. Pastor Jim spoke about developing your vocabulary. I've picked up in my life at least three languages that I speak. And I give God all the glory. Don't look at me like that. I know I'm amazing. But it's not about, the, it's, it's about pressing in. It's about walking in the Spirit. Amen. Strengthening your Spirit helps you speak to your soul. Instead of your soul speaking to you. Your soul will speak to you. Your soul uh, is in tune with what's happening around you, with your emotions. And if you don't speak to your soul, your soul will speak to you. And your soul will say things like this. God doesn't love you. You will never make it. It's the same old rejection. No one really loves you. You're stupid. you average. You need to prove yourself. You need to um, stand up for yourself and not lose faith. Your soul will lie to you. So what do you do when they won't speak to you? What do you do when your soul is speaking to you louder and louder and bringing the flesh and your emotions and your carnality to cause you to live in a way that doesn't glorify God but extends and perpetuates insecurity? You see, the soul can paint a miserable picture based on your circumstances. But if, you're, if you strengthen, you can strengthen your soul by being led by the Spirit, by praying in the Spirit, by walking in the Spirit. So I want to encourage you, read the Bible every day. Stats show, um, I think through George Barner, that growing Christians have a devotion at least four times a week. Growing Christians. That's the minimum four times a week. But we should find, carve out a place every day where we spend time in the Word, time in prayer, and now I want to challenge you, five minutes, just five minutes, praying in tongues. When we pray in tongues, we, um, we're going beyond the natural and into the supernatural. And you know what? We want supernatural results, results but we won't go there. We want to live safe. By the way, in church, when we're worshiping, as the, as the worship, you can break away from the words on the screen at any moment and just sing in tongues. What are you doing? You're exercising your spirit man, your spirit, the real you, to connect with God's spirit and bypass the intellect. Between songs, don't just, oh, I wonder what the next song is. I don't know. Are they, they going to sing my favorite song today? Like the person that came up to the pastor and said, I didn't get out of anything out of the worship this morning. He said, good, because we weren't worshiping you. We're not, we're not in the entertainment business in church. We're in the God glorification business. We had to glorify God. Amen. I said to our worship team a few years ago, I said, if, my, if when my grandkids are teenagers, if I still like the music, there's a problem. Because it's not about me and my generation anymore. But I don't know any grandparent that doesn't want to see their children and their grandchildren jumping up front and worshiping Jesus. I don't know anyone like that. And so we have incredibly um, kind and gracious senior saints in our church. We call them legends. Anyone over the 60s in the legends ministry. And we have incredible legends in our church. Many of them will put earplugs in because our music's so loud. But one thing they want. They want their children 
and their grandchildren worshiping in the house of God. Amen. So tongues will strengthen your spirit. We need to be strengthened in our spirit, man. And in fact, maybe the worshipers can come around now, come up right now. Because you know what? I'm not going to teach on all this. I, I want us to head. I want us to start doing it. I want us to sp- sing in tongues. I want us to speak in tongues. I want you to to develop your prayer language. Amen. Amen. Just a few things as they come up. Jude verse twenty says, "But you, beloved, building yourselves up." in your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. You build yourself up. Paul says, in church, I'd rather say five intelligent words that I may instruct others. Why? Because Paul's other gift is teaching. He'd rather say five intelligent words to instruct people than a thousand words in tongues. Why? It's not that he didn't speak in tongues. Paul spoke, he says, I speak in tongues more than you all. He spoke in tongues more than anyone else. He said, but in church, I'd rather say five intelligent words that I may instruct you. So what what tells me is, and this is what I believe, that in the private, in his devotions, he spoke in 10,000 words in tongues. And when he stepped up into the public arena, he just had five words to say. And those five words were backed up with 10,000 words of the Holy Spirit. And when he spoke just five words, boom, they were packed. You don't know what you're going to say to your boss boss on, on, on Monday morning when you get to work. Well, then... On Sunday, make sure you're in the prayer time. Make sure you're in worship. Because when you speak to your boss, God's going to give you the right words to say. Because it's backed up with 10,000 words in tongues. You don't know what to say to your teenager because you've had a lot of conflict. And you're nervous about your future relationship with your teenager. You don't know what you're going to say to them. Well, you need to back up. And you need to pray in the spirit. You need to pray for them. You need to pray and pray because God loves your teenager more than you do, even though it's your teenager. And then when you speak to them, boom, five words is backed up with 10,000 words in tongues. God wants us to be spiritly. You're, going, you've got a, you're facing a challenge at work. You don't know what. But I want to tell you it's through believers that creativity and innovation will happen. Why? Because we're filled with the Spirit of God. And we worship the creator of the cosmos, of the universe. And so he can give you one word that can change the direction of the company. Whether it's your company or not, you're there to bring glory to God. Amen. Tongues is the most unselfish prayer you'll ever pray. Tongues helps you strengthen your soul. Tongues helps you hear from God. Tongues is for every believer who will step out and ask God to move. So if you're a believer, you already have Holy Spirit inside of you. But I want Holy Spirit to come upon you. And I want you to speak in tongues. And it's nothing you can engineer. It's like these young guys, you've seen them in tongues. They get a new car, mags, sound system. Sometimes the sound system is more expensive than the car. You know those guys? And they, and, they, and, they go, and they go and visit the girlfriend's house, the in-law's house, and they drive up fast, and they get out, and then they walk. <laughs> like, did you see how fast I drove the car? No, no. They're not fast. The car's fast. All they did is put their foot down. When you come to Jesus in surrender, all you've got to do is put your foot down. You surrender to him, and he will take the syllables of your surrender and give you a language you've never learned 
that will connect your spirit with God's spirit. Your mind is unfruitful, but you're being built up at the inner man. And God wants to build you up in your inner place. Amen. So let's stand in his presence right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask Holy Spirit to come and to fill you and to fill me. And um, we're going to ask Holy Spirit to give us an utterance. And I want you to speak maybe for the first time ever in a language you've never learned. Or maybe you spoke in tongues many years ago. But I want you to stir that up again. Because uh, tongues is the gateway gift to the gifts of the spirit and the supernatural. But more than anything else, to establish your soul in truth. Because the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth. He'll reveal the love of the Father. He'll remind you of the teachings of Jesus. And He will lead and guide you all the days of your life. So what we're going to do now is we're going to sing a song. And then um, just, just a gentle song. And then I want us, maybe we're going to get to a bridge. Um, I, I, I want you to break away from the song and sing in a language you've never learned before. Now, no one's listening to you. No one's going to, don't be, you know. The biggest thing that keeps people from breaking through in tongues is ego. And God has a goal with your ego. He wants to kill it. The only good Christian is a dead Christian. Where we die to self and we live for Him. Amen. So don't worry about what you sound about. Uh, sound like. It's not about this, your sound. It's about your spirit connecting with God's spirit. And speaking out. And, and, and don't worry, oh, that, that might sound strange. Yes, it may sound strange. And we have seven grandchildren. And there's always a race on who's, are they going to say Papa first or Granny first? Now, Granny's harder to say than Papa, so I win every time. And we'll take any sound that sounds like Papa. Us. He said, he said, yep, he said. You may just get one or two words, but I want to tell you, you have a Father's heaven who loves it when you step out in faith, when you put your place yourself in an awkward place of discomfort for the glory of God, and when you start speaking out in a language you've never learned, to connect with a God you've never seen, so that He establishes His purpose and His will in your life. Amen. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your presence in this place. Thank you that you are the promise of the Father. Jesus said it is to his disciples, it is good for you that I go. For I will ask the Father to send you, Paracletos, another one just like me. Holy Spirit is to you and I the same as Jesus was to his disciples. Holy Spirit is to you and I today what Jesus was to his disciples back in the day. He says, to, it's to your advantage that I go. Because the Father will send the Holy Spirit and he'll lead you into all truth. He said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, he said, Wait in Jerusalem. For the promise of the Father. See, the Holy, the, the disciples received the Holy Spirit in John 20 after the resurrection of Christ. Remember, the disciples weren't Christians because Jesus hadn't died. They were followers and believers. But the Holy Spirit moves into us at salvation. But the one who moves into us at salvation 
We want to bring release in our lives and to our world because the Holy Spirit is in you for you, but He's on you for those around you to empower you to be a witness, to do works of righteousness and justice, not in your own strength, but in the strength that He gives you. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So build yourself up in the Spirit. Tonight as you go to bed and you, you say goodnight to everyone, you go to your bed and you say, Holy Spirit, I want more of you. We hunger for Holy Spirit and ask Him to fill you up more and more and then start praying again in that language that you started with this morning. Stir up the gift that is within you. Pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, God's going to unlock things for you in your future. He's going to give you strength you never knew you had. He's going to give you vision. He's going to give you ideas as you walk with Him and as you talk with Him. In Jesus' name. You're going to do that? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. God bless you.